Welcome to the Homebody Podcast. My name is Mary Grace, and here we explore big questions in embodied ways. These conversations intersect the mystical, the practical, and the artful, bridging a range of topics such as astrology, creative practices, what healing can look like, and cultivating deep love and care for the more-than-human world. We not only want to live better, but live more fully, with more connection, courage, and creativity in our day-to-day lives and work. And this podcast asks, what are the ways we can do that? We hope to enliven you and inspire you towards possible regenerative futures, and we hope to encourage you so together we can become dynamic agents of beauty, fully awake, fully alive to all that life has for us. We want to be here for ourselves and for one another with more grace while making room for curiosity, sensitivity, hope, and joy. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a few moments to share it with someone else. And thank you so much for listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode where I am joined by hoodoo worker and tarot reader Sherry Schoen, aka That Hoodoo Lady. When we sat down to record this episode for you all, Sherry and I were both a little ritual hungover, still smelling of smoke from the workings of the night before. And in this conversation, we unpack a lot about hoodoo, including growing up in church and how practicing magic changed her relationship to the Bible. Sherry Schoen is a black lesbian hoodoo worker with years of experience helping clients receive deliverance using hoodoo rituals, products, readings, clearings, and classes. She's presented her knowledge of hoodoo in various media, as well as through classes and events across the U.S. Sherry is the author of two books, The Hoodoo Guide to the Bible and her newest book, Hoodoo for Everyone, Modern Approaches to Magic, Conjure, Rootwork, and Liberation. Additionally, Sherry is a leader in the tarot community. She co-led the Denver Tarot Meetup and was a facilitator and presenter at the Denver Tarot Con and has been a presenter and reader at fairs and conventions for more than 15 years. In terms of her own positioning regarding hoodoo, she sees it as an accessible healing modality that people of all identities can practice responsibly. And we speak more about that perspective and some of the parameters around it inside of this conversation. We also talk about, you know, what even is hoodoo and what are some common misconceptions or misunderstandings around it, as well as what are some of the things that inform her perspective. What to do about ancestral work if you don't know your family's history or who your ancestors are? And can folks who aren't black practice hoodoo without appropriation? What is a root worker? Why is that a part of hoodoo? And how and why hoodoo centers the need for deliverance and liberation? So this is not the hashtag like girl boss hoodoo on Instagram. It's it's magic for people who are seeking liberation and healing for those who've been hurt or misunderstood or cast aside and and her new book, Hoodoo for Everyone, it's really like an updated hoodoo guide with a lot of like history, foundations, spell work, spiritual guidance that's made accessible for everyone, inclusive of all backgrounds and genders. So Shone's modern hoodoo goes also in depth into discussions about religion and cultural appropriation, which I think is always a really important conversation, regardless of where you land on the spectrum of who can practice and who cannot. So be sure to grab her new book, Hoodoo for Everyone, share the episode, check out the show notes below for quick access to all of Sherry's links and info to learn more about her work. She also has a free new year ritual for you when you go to her website and scan the QR code at the top of the page. And with that, let's dive into this episode with Sherry Schoen, who is that hoodoo lady. Well, Sherry, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. I've enjoyed diving into some of your work and all of your just your thought work, your magic work, your conjuring, and all the things that you're putting together. And I'm really thrilled to have you. This is great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And I would love to invite you to kind of kick off our conversation by letting listeners know, you know, how would you like them to know you today? How would you like us to? know you as we move into this particular conversation that we're having today. Would you mind starting us that way? So today I'm just wrapping up the new year for me. And so um, today I want to be recognized as a new Sherry Schoen, a new That Who Lady for 2023 upcoming. So that's what I'm hoping for. And maybe that'll resonate with anyone listening in. Um, I think that as we think of it, 
every, I think it's every four to seven years. I'm trying to remember the exact scientific fact. Um, we shed our tongue senses and taste buds. And I think it's so funny that even our body and ourselves, we shed our skin, we share our hairs, we share our nails, we share our tongue cells. Why wouldn't we shed the old us every year and start anew? I love that. And I also love, we talked before recording that we're both showing up a little ritual hungover um, yes. this morning. <laughs> I There's nothing like it. You know, you're just, you're tired, but you're okay. And mm-hmm. it's just this heavy, and it really is a hangover. Yeah. Um, for those of us that celebrate in ritual, especially when it's late night ritual, when you're out in the, I know last night I was out in the middle of my yard, my front yard for all of my suburban neighbors to see yeah. my candle and my incense and my prayers and everything else. And I'm going around the house with oils and stuff um, at midnight. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm a very in your face kind of witch. I'm a very in your face hoodoo practitioner. So um, it's interesting after you're done with all of that to have the come down and you kind of go, why am I so tired? Yeah. Oh, that's why. Yeah. Birthing some new worlds. Overnight. Right. <laughs> I was divining with spirit last night. Oh, did I get beat up? Oh, yeah. I feel better now. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I definitely like, oh, I smell like smoke and there's like eyeliner everywhere. And like, yeah, it's yes. a good sounds like if your neighbors didn't think you were weird before now, they definitely oh, do yeah. now. Yeah. They definitely are. They they definitely do. I think that many of us are put into the place because we manifest it. We put into neighborhoods that are going to accept us. Mm-hmm. And um, my neighbor actually just got a new car and I gave her a bottle of wash for the car to bless it and protect the car for her. And she said, wait, you're not going to just do the thing on it. Are you going to put your hands on it and stuff? I've seen you. <laughs> She's like, oh, I have to do it myself. Hands on it. She was like, yes. I was like, okay, I'll put my hands on it. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. I love that your neighborhood is just like they're on your page or they're excited about your page. (laughs) They are. It's kind of like the Hallmark Channel, The Good Witch. I think it's pretty funny. No, that's amazing. And I I hope listeners hear that and they're like, oh, I can have that. That's great. You totally can have that. You totally can have that. Yes. Um. Well, one of the reasons that we're speaking and we're coming together now is that you just came out with a new book and we're going to kind of talk about the book. I have some quotes and things that I want to really like um, hear you flesh out a little bit more for our listeners, but I thought we would start really um, foundational for the beginning of our conversation with you know, like what is hoodoo, you know, for people who don't know, and are there any common misconceptions or misunderstandings that you want to like off the bat, just address for people listening? Absolutely. Thank you for asking that. So hoodoo for everyone is book two in my books about hoodoo. So the first book is the hoodoo guide to the Bible, which um, is available on Amazon and Kindle and all the other good stuff. Um, However, um, Hoodoo for Everyone is the next step in that, where I got asked the same questions from people all of the time who respectfully wanted to practice hoodoo, who were told that they weren't Black enough to to practice hoodoo, who were told that it was a closed practice for them. Um, And I wanted to open up the conversation again and say that hoodoo is the African-American folklore magic for those enslaved persons who were directing magic towards the colonizers for their deliverance, period. So if you're using the word in respect of and in honor of Black ancestry as a way to get deliverance from something, a trauma, a tragedy, um, something very serious. You know, I always say that hoodoo is not just honey jars. Um, When I go on to, you know, um, TikTok or Instagram, I see a lot of people that, use kitchen witch magic and then call it hoodoo because they say, oh, that's what everyone's using now. It's a trend. Mm. It's really not for me. It's um, something where I don't read my book every day, but I practice some kind of hoodoo every day. I need deliverance from lots of things all the time. Like some of us might have, maybe your car isn't starting. Maybe you need rent or mortgage. 
Maybe there are social justice causes out there. Maybe you want to impact the vote. Maybe you want to impact um, help with child care. There's so many reasons to use deliverance magic. And to me, hoodoo is the way I do that. It's everything that I do from my knowledge of Black ancestry all the way to why I light a candle a certain way. Yeah, I love that. And like it's really the centering the experience or the process of liberation um, yeah. is exceptionally magical, of course. And in the first chapter, you were really kind of breaking down some of the sort of the what is deliverance exactly and what are we talking about? And you know, we're not talking about like acquiring a new crystal or like making Instagram pretty content as your practice. May I read a quote from you? Yes, please do. You said, it doesn't sound like light and love to me. This is my belief of hoodoo. It is for those that require swift urgency when you can go to no one else, when your mortgage is late, when an illness isn't going away, when your spouse or partner is leaving, when you are being evicted, when your community is being shot at, when your lives are at stake. This is what hoodoo is for. It's not pretty. It isn't meant to be. Exactly. So true. Some of the new year ritual work that I was doing was around this fear, this false evidence appearing real that we're being sold by the media and by people that are other, that don't believe in others, right? Where they want us to be afraid. They want us to cower in a closet. They want us to practice and just think, oh, nothing's happening because look, nothing's happening. So what you believe in isn't real. And that's one way to divide us. And I think that for those of us that are practicing hoodoo, even us, we're having this dividing line where it's what are we practicing if the others start to practice it? And my comment back to that is I want people to know what hoodoo is and I want them to feel okay with going through the research, the background, the understanding of the foundations. And then making that lineage connection. And if they feel they're still called after all of that, then who am I as in this spiritual body to say that they are not right to do what they want to do Mm. and still preach and prophesize really that hoodoo is for everyone because it's inclusive. Mm. If I cannot be inclusive myself. Mm. So it's very interesting to me. Um, that division, that division is getting told to us and sold to us that it's so big and it's so vast that there's nothing that we can do as magical practitioners to resolve it. And I always believe that there's more than that. And I use hoodoo for that purpose. Um, I put hoodoo in my ballot. I use hoodoo when I'm trying to discern who to vote for. Mm. I use hoodoo when I do have people, clients that want to get help with breast cancer, help with lawyer fees, help with abusive partners. That's what hoodoo is for. And some of the time I think that people see it as a hashtag and think, oh, this is easy. I can pick this up. But in my book, the first two chapters of the book are really faced on forcing you to look at what hoodoo is and pretty much scare you into not doing it (laughs) because it's so serious. I mean, I think that's appropriate for any magical practice, I think. So I applaud that approach. Sorry, (laughs) I didn't mean to interrupt you, but definitely. It's good. It's good. Exactly. I think that, you know, in the book, I do talk about, um, shared ancestors. So if you have ancestry, um, one of the questions that I get asked is, I'm adopted. Can I practice hoodoo? I don't know about my lineage. The hoodoo shared ancestors that I work with in the book under worthy fighters is important to me because it gives you a way to practice hoodoo and an ancestor to guide you. And I have ritual spells to be able to start that relationship. That's really powerful. That comes up a lot when I'm speaking with friends and friends in my circle, either, you know, maybe they're adopted or maybe, you know, 
they grew up without a lot of resources. There just aren't the resources to track back. And some of them, like, you know, my friends who are black, they're like, I actually like don't know anyone past my grandma, you know, oh, like there isn't, you know, and so that's a really common thing that comes up. Um, and this idea of like having, you know, just connecting with shared interests. I mean, it's about to make me cry just talking about it. Being able to like plug back into the web in an embodied way is really powerful, I think. Is that been your experience as well? I some of the things that I love most about writing the book is hearing those experiences after someone has read it. And they feel like this is the first time I've been welcomed into a family. And that's what I want people to read into. That's why I share so many of my stories. Um, I had a reviewer really review harshly on the book with, man, she shares a lot about herself. Well, one, it's my book. So it's about me. Two, Two, you're welcome. (laughs) Two, I want people to read the book, understand my struggles with family and relationships and things like that. And also my, my triumphs and then turn that around and go, okay, I'm welcomed into Sherry's that hoodoo lady family. Now let me go and start to choose where else do I want to dig into? Do I want to start with DNA? Do I want to start with that one grandfather, grandma, grand person that I knew and look a little bit deeper? For many of us that are Black, it is a common experience that we don't know our lineage past a couple generations. My lineage is known all the way back to around 1800, which is rare. But that's because I have a whole bunch of historians in my family because I'm in a family of ministers. So you couldn't, my wife always tells me, you can't spit without spitting on a minister in our family. They're <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> They're everywhere. It's just, it's, it's hilarious. I'm a minister. My um, nephew's dad is a minister. I mean, just all of us, all of us. And it's not just our, it's everywhere. So because of that, in all of the Bibles, that were historically based, we put ancestry in the front of the Bible, right? And then when you get married, you get handled the Bible, you get handled, you get handed your ancestry. So that's why my ancestry is so well known. But for those of us that, let's say that you came out as lesbian, gay, transgender, queer in any shape or form, many of us, that's a death sentence to your lineage. Mm -hmm. You're being brave and proud. And in that moment, what happens, you're slapped with you now have a severed tie. Mm -hmm. So another reason to make sure that people understand what I mean by who is for everyone is helping them understand that even them in the Bible, even them in the book, even them with the shared ancestry, I want you to feel okay using the ancestors. Um, The ancestors that I have in the book are varied for a reason. There's Miriam Makaba, who is a civil rights activist and also a musician and also a very prominent leader in the Black community who passed away. There's my father, who was a actually practicing witch, even though he didn't have that title because he didn't graduate from the ninth grade. So, you know, he didn't have those resources that others did, but he was a powerful energy and force. Um He also was bisexual. I lay it out there. Um, My lineage is in sex work. So I want there to be no shame between myself and the reader. And the way that I get vulnerable is by really telling them the truth. And that way, hopefully they can strip down to themselves and kind of go, yep, this is me as well too. And I'm welcome because I want you to know when you read my book, it really is Hoodoo for every four and for you. And I want you to feel proud in that. That's really beautiful. It makes me think too about, you know, just the origins of oral tradition, right? Where, you know, knowledge is rooted in story instead of just like bullet points and information, which, you know, all of us, if you go back far enough, like that is our heritage is like telling stories around fires and songs and, you know, and it's become 
it's like somehow now, especially from an academic perspective, occasionally, or like, you know, it can be kind of like snuffed on where it's like, oh, you're not just giving me the bullet points, the raw facts, the things that are like proven by the government facilitated organization. Oh, yeah. It's like, we've lost some of the, like the richness and the vitality, I think. Yeah. And even just the, the gifts that telling our stories can bring to people. Yeah. I think that all of us are taught something equivalent to the ring shout in our ancestry. And the ring shout is the African-American way of call and response and a circular formation when you're doing any kind of praise or conjuring work. So many of us, we started off this as kids where we would sing, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream, right? And after you started singing row, 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 you would look at your other person that you're singing to or with, and they would sing row, row, right? And it's that call and response. And there's energy and power in that. If I start to sing about the spider going up the water spout, and you know that story, and you share that story, and then you're on a subway one day singing about the spider that went up the down the spout and the rain washed it out, then someone else goes back in their memory bank and they go, well, well, yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what you're, and all of us have these familiar um, songs, chants, verses to bring us more together, I feel. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, it's about that division. But the minute I talk about the spider going up the spout and you go, you know, actually, that's not for me to know. Um, I'm going to not sing about the spider because I know about the spider and I know the song about the spider, but I don't feel it's my place to sing about the spider because today is yellow shirt day and <laughs> I don't have on a yellow shirt. <laughs> and even though I feel in my heart the itsy bitsy spider that's going up the spout, I feel it and I know where it's coming <laughs> from and I want to shout it out loud. I'm not because I don't have on a yellow shirt today. I don't want people to go back into that closet. I feel like we've been in closets long enough and there's lots of clothing in closets and shoes in closets and great things. There's some skis. I don't know what else is in my closet, but (laughs) (laughs) the days of our souls being in closets, I hope are out. And many of us are still experiencing, especially for transgender um friends and allies are trying to be pushed back into a closet. And I think us as practitioners have to do what we can to support them in their journey. Because if we don't support them, one day we'll look up and no one will be able to be able to support us. So there you go. That's enough of my um, my approving my message of whatever I'm saying. So there you go. Yeah, no, I related a lot to your speaking about, you know, growing up in church and I've similar, I've spoken about this before and it's something that I really had to untangle in my life where I was sort of taught this synchronicity between, or sort of that like love and obedience are like the same thing <laughs> um, is what I learned. And I very much related to you talking about that and how that can sort of, or my experience of it was anyways, that it sort of, it really separated me from myself in a really big way. Um, And I'm curious if you'd mind sharing a little bit about that journey for you and perhaps how practicing hoodoo has maybe healed or been a path towards healing any of those, those rifts um, of that separation and self potentially. Yeah. It's, it's hard because it's, it's both it's, it joins and causes you to heal that separation of self, but it also encourages me to continue to learn more about self, which causes different separations, right? So when I look at, I want to use the Bible all of the time as a spell book, because that's that's my lifeblood. That's what I do. Um, in both books, I give a lot of different ways to use different Bible verses for anything else you're doing, magical work. However, there are some parts of the Bible that absolutely pissed me off. There are some parts of the Bible that I believe are bullshit. And it's hard for me not to 
deal with that every single time I open this book that I use as my ritual book. Mm -hmm. I think that in that period of, I don't know, I always count on grace to get me through it. And so far that has worked. That ability to have like this balm that salves or a salve that goes over the wound that kind of says, a good friend of mine, granddaughter Crow, said that in improv, the best way to respond to something that's inflammatory is yes and. Mm. So mm. <laughs> I use yes and a lot where someone, if I have this thing where it says, man, the Bible really has some really bad things to say about slavery, about being enslaved, about being a wife and needing to submit to your partner, all of those things, I say, yes, and. Yes, and it also says that I'm perfect exactly how I am, and I don't need to be married to anyone, really, and I can stand up for myself, and I have the energy and the power and the ability to be everything I need to be with spirit's help. And I'm going to use that to shape into the life that I need to make it, even if that means getting out of the life I'm in. I still have that power and ability, and I can still have that same energy and grace carry me through. Mm. Something you wrote, you said, I read the love stories, sex, diversity, freedom from enslavers and drama, and wondered if I was reading another Bible than the congregation. (laughs) Perhaps it probably was because I was told a long time ago by my great grandmother on my dad's side that I could always tell a different Bible tale if I didn't like the one read to me. That's what I would do with the Bible and how I started changing words around in the Bible without any fear. I would read between the lines of the story or make up my own that met my need. I guess I was doing exactly what my ancestors have done generations before me, making do with what I've been given to get what I wanted. Yeah, absolutely. I um, reposted a TikTok of the story of the talking book, how those that were enslaved were always told, well, the Bible says you have to be a slave. The Bible says you have to submit to us as your masters. The Bible says that you are not allowed to rise up. And they would literally pick up the book once they got a hold of one and they would listen to it. And they would say, well, the Bible isn't talking to me. It's not saying anything. Because literally, that's what they were told. And that only made it true. Well, the Bible only talks to the colonizers. And so, yes, it gives more weight into it's not talking to me. Therefore, yes, you're right. I'm not supposed to be anything other than a slave. Um, I think that there's magic in taking back that power and taking back that just the reins of that wild horse that says, I'm going to go right around through this, this whole Bible universe, and I'm going to burn down everything that comes in my path. Um, when I'm using the Bible, I'm using it for a specific purpose. I'm constantly looking up different verses for health and healing and banishment and protection and blessing. And if I see things that I don't like, I'm going to rewrite it. I think that's what every good editor, writer, being does. If I'm speaking to you about, um, let's say, a recipe, and I say, I want you to use this much time, and you say, you know what? I really like time. I'm just going to throw it all in. Then how many of us kind of go, you know, that's actually right. I'm going to put as much time as I want. And you know what? It'll be just fine. And I think that's okay to do because in all of our worlds, we want to tailor things to our own destiny. It's part of us having free will. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's nothing else that I want people to see when they open up the Bible is they have the will and the ability to change it into anything they want it to be, especially some kind of healing tool where it's been used to literally and figuratively beat people up against the head and say, this is the word, damn it, you're going to listen to it and adhere to it. 
And there really is not much you can say about that. What? What? Yeah. I have no freedom at all? No, you really don't. Not if you want to worship and what? No, no. I want everyone to kind of go back and go, you know what? This is the word of it. And I'm going to change this pronoun and I'm going to move this around and I'm going to flip this. (laughs) And then I'm going to use it in my new spell that I'm doing for getting my rent money by the 15th. And I'm going to now be the colonizer, if you will, over that text. Mm -hmm. I now have the power of what's going to be said and what isn't going to be said. And guess what? There's nothing that's going to happen to you when you do that. There's really, there's no beam of light that's going <laughs> to come down and say, you know what? I said he, she. The Pope isn't going to drive to your house. <laughs> isn't going to drive his little tiny bulletproof car to your driveway. <laughs> None of that's going to happen. Really, I've tried it. I've, I've been doing this for quite a while now. nothing's going to happen to you. Um, The only thing that might happen is you might become more free. Yeah. I remember that was a huge, I mean, that's been a, that was a big part of just my journey sort of kind of coming more towards a sense of like wholeness for myself Um, was just realizing that like crafting our beliefs is something that's much more like art making than anything else. And I think, you know, I would definitely put magic into a creative practice as well. And just um, what you're speaking to really reminds me of that. I'm glad to hear that. It's And isn't it funny how it seems that when we're all on a journey, it's almost like the Aspen tree stories of all of the roots being together, even though they're in different places, millions, thousands of miles away, right? They all are some of the same root system. So when one of them gets led someplace or gets fed or told something through the tree mycelium, then all of them start to do the same thing. And I think that many of us that are tapped into the same root system, when one of us is discovering something, we give it an aha moment, and then someone else picks it up, And we're all starting to go down the same path. I've heard time and time again at symposiums and fairs and festivals that we're starting to become shifting into a space of togetherness as opposed to fear, which I think is beautiful because on the other side, as soon as we walk out of that festival, we hear, be afraid. Aren't you afraid? If you're not afraid, you're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. I am paying attention. Yes, and yes, I am paying attention. And I'm going to continuously shape my universe to what my value system is. Yeah. And I think if there's ever, you know, a moment that we needed to reclaim that power, not only for ourselves as individuals or even humans, for the world and all life in general, I would say it would be now. So, yeah. Where I live now, there's a 30 year flood that happens in Oregon. And the residents believe, and I do too now that I've been a resident now for less than three years, that every 30 years, the river is cursed. And the river is cursed because the river was stolen from the first native tribes who fished the river, worshiped everything with the river. And now it's no longer part of their ancestry. It's no longer part of their birthright. Mm. So the river was cursed that every 30 years around Thanksgiving to new year time, it would overflow and flood the main streets. And it gets huge. It gets huge. And, It is said to have continued that and will continue that until we give the river back to First Natives. So I think it's interesting that even in a town, of my town holds about 30, 40,000 people, so not that big. And it's nine square miles, not that big. Mm -hmm. Um, Even in a town of people of all different faiths and walks of life, magic still exists. And it's so deeply rooted that It's supposed to happen again in the next year. We're coming up on year 29 and the residents are all gearing up for it. And they're all like, do you know, it's about to happen? Do you know, it's about to happen in a year. And it's what everybody talks about in coffee shops. And it's what, 
<laughs> and we're all kind of like, but what do we do? Well, we have to give the river back to the first natives that owned it. Wow. But did you hear it's going to flood? Did you hear what I just said? We have to work with <laughs> the tribal community. There's a solution. There's such a big solution. And all that I'm seeing that this community is doing is just continuing to say, well, we're doomed. <laughs> we're so doomed. But the rest of us are screaming, right? There's a solution. <laughs> Talk to the tribal communities and get the river back. Um, and I think many of us, that's the same thing that we see that's happening in our world right now with the way women are being treated, with the way immigrants are being treated, with the way just ourselves and our own bodies with disabled or abled bodies and how we're being treated. But I also see, I was watching a cartoon with my daughter the other day, and I noticed that no one looked familiar to me, and I loved it. Like, this is a true fairy tale, and there's people with orange hair, there's people with all body types, there's people with all ability types, and guess what? They work. They It works. And it's okay. And again, there's no little bulletproof car coming up to them and going, hey, 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 that couple isn't married and they're living together. No, it's not. (laughs) No one cares. And there's and there's a partner couple who has kids of different ancestry and they still are in the cartoon. There's no banning. There's books that are being read that haven't been banned. It's just it was such a beautiful expression. And I was like. That's the world I want to live in. Yeah. And for kids, it's so easy and so obvious to. It's so obvious as just make, just bring us back to make apologies for what we did wrong and move on. How hard is that? Apparently it's very hard as we gear up for another flood. I just think it's. Mm -hmm. It's true. And it's making me think of something that you said that I highlighted. We're just, you know, because you're saying that hoodoo is so precious to you because hoodoo is made by people that needed deliverance and deliverance is a universal need. Um, it is. Yeah. Um, I look at the events that are coming up with hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, natural tragedies. We all need deliverance from something. And some of the time it's very wide and vast. And some of the time it's just as small as today. I wish I could have some fresh water. Mm -hmm. And when you say those things and you realize. Those are deliverance needs too. I think it brings a better focus onto what you're really asking for when you're asking to be a hoodoo practitioner. Do you want to be that person that's asking for someone to get water, even if that person may be something or someone that you don't agree with all of the time? Mm-hmm. Because if I bless the water so that it's plentiful, that means that everyone's going to get it. Mm-hmm. And still having that ability to say, yes, and. I do want everyone to have fresh water. I do want everyone to have great air. Um, And I still want us to be able to practice in a way that we feel is right to practice, respectfully acknowledging our Black ancestry. I was speaking at a symposium and someone asked me, who was Black enough to practice hoodoo? And I said, well, if we look all the way back, All of us started in Africa. So to me, we're pretty much already there. It's something where it is used for deliverance and deliverance is so wide of a topic, but so is our ancestry. And all of us started from the same root system. And the majority of our causes of problems and wars and fights is denying that root system, denying that I can help you and you can help me. You know why? Because we're both spirits and beings. 
not because we look alike or have the same lineage, but because we're both beings and we both deserve everything that's just common. Yeah. And it's interesting to me that it's so uncommon to have that love of people. Yeah. That, I mean, that's really powerful. And thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, what are, you know, for people who would not have previously considered themselves black enough to practice hoodoo, what are some of the ways that you um, recommend people engage with practicing, but they also want to practice sensitivity. They want to stay in a space that isn't appropriative. What are some of the yeah. things that you suggest? Yeah. For, for one, um, recognize that I am one person that speaks for practicing hoodoo and that if you approach someone and they are not practicers, uh, they do not believe that hoodoo is for everyone to practice that you honor that and acknowledge that and you stop asking them questions. How's, you know, just don't, don't go there. Um, don't try to argue way through that because you're not going to win on that, but <laughs> continue down your path. Um, next, I want you to do some more foundational research on a couple of things. One being the Bible and Bible history and learning that lineage, but also learning about black ancestry. It's not taught in schools. It's not really talking taught in colleges or universities or community colleges. So it is up to those of us that want to practice or at least learn about this to understand that yes, slavery did happen. It wasn't a trade agreement. Um, <laughs> it did cause quite a bit of problems for everyone. It was a very painful and traumatic period in many blacks' lives. Period. Period. If you can do that and not try to and uh, but your way out of it. And say, but but it was a trade agreement, and but they were they were sold, and it wasn't our fault. And no, no, now you're trying to rationalize. No, bring it all in, and start making those wounds heal. Those wounds, and then when you're ready to go to the next level, start to do your own study and practice with ancestors, and start making those connections. And some of the time, the connections that you make with one of my shared ancestors in the book. Let's say that you're doing something with a gargoyle because that's one of our shared ancestors. And you want to do work with a gargoyle. The first thing you do when you approach the gargoyle, you say hello. It's so easy. You just say hello and you listen. And I work with you in the book on how to make sure that you're protected first and that you're grounded first and that you're able to listen. And many people, that takes the longest time is listening to your body and listening to your intuition first before you go talking to a gargoyle where knows where that gargles, right? It's almost like when you bring something into the house, like a cat or something, and your parent says, do you know where that's been? Put that down, take that. It's the same thing. thing. Put that gargoyle down. Do you know where the gargoyle has been? Uh-uh, I just brought it in the house. Might not want to do that. Might want to wait and play with the gargoyle outside (laughs) before you let them into your house. And it's these simple things that I want people to know, that it's just that easy. Um, it appears hard um, because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of spirit work. Yeah, And I think those as practitioners, that's why it's a practitioner. We're always practicing. We're always trying new things. We're always told by spirit or divine different ways to approach a problem with a solution. And so in our tool bag, we have to have a variety of things. We can't just have hammers and saws. We have to have screwdrivers. We have to have little pinchers that get out the thorns that are in our hands. We have we have all these little tools that we have to formulate. And the only way that we can get those tools is it's almost like a video game. You have to earn them. Yeah. And then when you earn them, then you get the little puller tweezer thing. But until then, you're trying to get at it with a hammer. And Divine is kind of looking at you going, I wonder when they're going to ask me for the tweezers. I don't know. It's fun to watch, though. Is it fun to watch? It's pretty fun to watch. Let's keep watching. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the struggle. And that's also the fun, too. There's a lot of trickster, um, fun, jovial magic. In for Houdini, sure. Where you just bang your head up against the door and then you get shown there was really a path to the left of you. 
that door wasn't even affixed to anything. You just had to look around it and you go, oh, really? Really? Oh, thanks. Yeah. I think that's, that's a pretty common uh, spiritual, if not magical experience for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for speaking the importance of, you know, keeping a clean ship, you know, like, especially if something I'm doing is like new or I'm not sure it's like, I don't do it in the house, you know, like it's where I sleep. It's where my things are, you know, like keep the ship clean. Yeah. Let's just keep it clean. You know, cleansing is such a big part of hoodoo. When I'm, uh, I have a spell, a spell, I have a wash for vinegar um, that I use to clean my wind seals, window seals that I use to clean my doorways. Um, because the cleanliness part of this is very important. Even if you are experiencing houselessness, if you have water and you have your breath work to do prayer work over your water and you can bless things that are around you, that's a way of cleansing. If you go into some of the areas where they have free hand sanitizer and that kind of thing, use that to bless and protect the items that are yours in your tents, in your car, because you still have the right to practice magic. You have the right. And if anyone needed deliverance work, it's someone who's experiencing houselessness. Mm -hmm. It's someone who's experiencing mental illness. So so many other things, but um, just using water is huge for cleansing, for protecting, for banishing, for changing energies. Mm -hmm. Water is amazing for that. I introduce vinegar. I introduce salt. I introduce ways to use coffee, just different things that you kind of go, what? (laughs) Because when you, yeah, when you think of it, when I was, when my great, great, great grandparents were in the middle of the part of their lives where they needed the most deliverance, they couldn't run to a metaphysical shop and say, I need a crystal to help me out with this. They used animal fats and water and salt if they had it. Um, And it wasn't that much of that because it was precious. Mm -hmm. No, who knows when you're going to get some more lard. So you're not going to make a ritual where you're using the lard and you're using a cup of it. No, you're going to need a thimble. You're going to need a pinky full. Um, You're going to use those minuscule amounts. And I think that's another misconception is, When you do something in magical work, you have to make it big and grand. That's a very Western, I think, ideal. And more nature-based magic, you realize the preciousness of that resource. And you say, I'm going to take a little bit of your root and not all of your root because I want someone else to be able to share in that root and want it to be available when they need it. It's a community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was just talking with some friends last night about that. Just the the often overlooked like domesticity of like the everyday magic, you know. Yeah. Um, and like what you're talking about, like what's in my pantry? What teas do I have? What do I already have? You know, what do I already have? Not what do I need mm. to go buy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like even when it comes to the book, you know, if the book isn't in your library then it's okay for you to ask, mm-hmm. you know, the, um, the hoodoo guide to the Bible was published October 31st, 2019. It's a good candidate for a library. <laughs> it's a great it's library. Only a couple of years old, right. Or maybe borrow from someone or, you know, there's a lot of different ways to make what you want to have happen, happen. Mm-hmm. If you have that energy and you want to move that energy in that direction, but if you want to move the energy into the direction of lack, there's plenty of that too. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. Um, I think as we, you know, start moving towards um, wrapping it, you've spoken about a lot about roots and, you know, meant talking about like a hoodoo worker is also a root worker. Do you yeah. mind talking more about, you know, how you define what a root worker is and why that's a really important component. Yes. Root work is getting your hands dirty. So I have my own garden in the backyard. Um, I have my own, right. I have my own trees and flowers and herbs that I take care of in the front yard. Um, There are things in my yard and garden that are dangerous because I think plants have both of those energies. Um, 
to everyone walking by my front yard, they go, Ooh, that's pretty. Uh, to others, they might walk by and go, Ooh, lemon verbena. I don't know what that's for, but it smells really good. I would know how to get into it, take a little bit of its roots, add it to my magic work and make things for a specific purpose. And root workers really generally work underneath the surface of that soil. They know what to use and when and what quantities, what's dangerous, what's safe, what to use in teas, what to use in salves, what to use in poppets, what to use in bags. Um, it's a totally different magic than using the life force of salt or water or vinegar. It's where you really do get down and dirty. Um, it's about knowing that each one of those plants has a life force and understanding and working with those life forces. Whenever you're passing by, when you pass by a tree, many of us that are root workers to the core, we touch the tree. We ask it its name. We talk to it. If we want something from the tree, we ask. And if the tree says no, we listen. We don't say, oh, you're, it's just a bad day for you. I'm going to take this leaf anyway. No, you move on. Um, <laughs> so many of us that are true work workers, that's exactly what we do. And we also know what plants to avoid. Um, one plant that's mistaken for one to avoid is weeds. I love using weeds in my work. Um, weeds are plentiful. Weeds are powerful. Weeds can get in the middle of nooks and crannies where you don't want them to be and ta-da, they're all of a sudden flourishing. And that's what I love about weeds. Mm -hmm. And when you think of it as a root worker, if I want to put out a magic that's going to touch every single surface in a small amount of time and totally take over, I'm going to use a weed. Yeah. That's exactly its nature. Yeah. Resilient AF for sure. That resilience is there. Great word. That's the resilience is where if I want to use something that's sweet, I'm not going to go necessarily to honey because honey's really expensive, but maybe I go to a flower or a seed like the anise seed, who's just as sweet and in my backyard, as opposed to trying to take something that's been processed and use that. Because yeah. who did the processing and who the hell knows where they're, you know, who knows what happened when that sugar was being processed, when that honey was being processed, when that, you know, you have no idea. Mm -hmm. So that's what I try to go for as a root worker. Yeah, that's really, that's really yeah. great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and, you know, as we're wrapping it all up and putting it all together, you know, as we're, we're moving into a lot of sort of a festival season, I guess you could say here in the United States anyways, um, you know, there's, there's, it's sort of a season of like celebration and getting together and all sorts We're of starting things. to see lights everywhere, which is so great to me. I wish there could be lights like this all year round. Yeah, it does. It also just looks very magical. And um, you were speaking about, you know, these seasonal rituals and ways of focusing on like written word, even things as mundane as like email and text and ways yeah. that we can um, participate more um, consciously, perhaps in these things like Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever festival seasons or celebrations are showing up for us. Do you mind speaking to that? Absolutely. Thank you for asking. So when I look at Modern ways, you know, the book says, you know, right in the very beginning, modern approaches to magic, conjure, root work, and liberation. One of those ways that I speak of is on page 182, where I talk about banishment and protection texts. And in Africa, where all civilization began, which is where I'm reading, Sumerians wrote down symbols and lines that became objects, that became words that became our beginnings of magic in written form. So it all started in Samaria. So what we don't realize or what we do realize for those of us that practice magic a lot is every time I put out a prayer or a wish or a desire in a text in an email and send it off on its way, I am putting together a spell. If I say, 
by the receipt of this email, you understand you owe me one gazillion dollars. And until you pay the one gazillion dollars, harm will come to you. That is now a spell that you put out to that person. When I text someone and I say, it is over. Thank you for everything you've done for me. Love. That is now your spell. And there's power behind that. And I want people to understand that it's organically ours. It is something that's come from our shared ancestry and lineage, the use of symbols and words to convey a meaning and do the same in your magical work. I think many of us know that when you pray, it is something as simple as saying, thank you, or love you, or I want, or I wish. Those are all prayers. But if I write something the same way, and if someone is coming back with anger and hatred and vile words from me, and all I can write back is, thank you, love you, wish you the best, it infuriates <laughs> <laughs> it's infuriating. It's like, how could they say that? It was like you just washed over with them in love and kindness, and it just knocked them down seven or eight pegs. Hmm. And you can also do the total opposite and continue to infuriate the situation as well in your work. It's all up to you. It's all up to you. And in the book, I give you different ways to write ritualistic spell banishment and protection texts and emails that are just as powerful as you sitting in the middle of the night, like what you and I did for a new year, covered in smoke <laughs> in front of a fire, chanting for hours, if not moments, it's the same energy. As long as you have that intention, faith and direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that, especially as we're entering, you know, where we may have to clash or collide with people that we might otherwise avoid in our day to day. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, my, I haven't had to deal with trolls or bullying online per se. Um, but when I do have someone that is trolling me, depending upon which ancestor I'm talking to, I will say something like, yes, and. Mm -hmm. And the and the me the the how that hoodoo lady me that didn't go through the ritual will say oh no and want to come back but the but the one listening to my dad will be very kind and courteous and quiet mm. beautiful because that's what it calls for and yeah. I listen to them with everything darn it I know I know and you're like I would say all of these things but. Um, yes, that's a, a good one for me to remember as well. Um, well, there's like a million other questions I would love to ask you, but I want to respect your time and our listeners time. And so, um, before we close, I would love for you to share where people can find out more about you, more about your books and your work. Um, and if you have anything coming up that you would like people to know about, if you'd mind sharing about that as well. Absolutely. So for everyone that's listening, um, I do have a ritual that is free for you to use. Um, it is going to be found on my website, which is the place to find out about me, www.thathoodoolady.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at thathoodoolady. Um, and you can also follow me on TikTok at thathoodoolady. I would love to have you. Um, TikTok, I focus on Black ancestry and Black or ally Afrocentric books literature, songs, music, things like that to hopefully get your um, education back, right? Because I know I love to get through all of those things really well. So, and I also repost a lot of funny stuff. And then my Instagram is more, it has a lot more personal stuff, but I read passages from the book and talk about new things that are coming up. Um, for example, I'm in the middle of a couple of things. One, which is writing more poetry, that I don't know what I'm going to do with yet, but that that's what spirit's been giving me is a lot more poems. And I'm also working on an Oracle or tarot deck that will either accompany or be a standalone deck for hoodoo. Um, there are definitely some great hoodoo tarot books out there, but 
Um, mine is going to be more inclusive and modern for the modern conjure worker. Cool. Those all sound like great gifts. So thank you for putting your creative spirit and your attention into all of those things. And thank you again so much for being here and for sharing your heart and your work with all of us. I know it's been a gift to me and I'm sure it will be to our listeners as well. Thank you, Mary Grace, for letting me be on your show. And I hope everyone that's listening has an amazing, amazing day. And just remember hoodoos for everyone. You either do or you don't. And I choose to use my hoodoo for deliverance. Mm, That's powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for participating in this conversation with us. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a few moments to subscribe to the show. Leave us a review and share the episode. These tiny tasks help our independent podcast so much. Be sure to also check out the links below to learn more about any free resources, guests, or things we talked about today. Our intro and outro music was created by artists Aaron Palovic and Jared Kelly. Our podcast logo was created by Elaine Stevenson, and this show is produced by Softer Sound Studio. Thank you for being here. Be well. Peace.